welcome to Cosmos Insights, a Cosmos briefing bonus where we interview experts around key issues in science. I'm Dr. Deborah Devis, and today I'm talking to Philippa Showquist, Principal Advisor of Sustainability Strategy and Development at Rio Tinto. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So tell me, why do businesses, especially mining businesses, need scientists? Yes, yeah, certainly. So in, in mining, we employ um, a wide range of scientists. So we have uh, geologists and geochemists that need to identify where the ore body is and what it actually contains. The metallurgists that work out how to actually extract that material um, during the processing phase. Hydrologists and hydrogeologists to understand uh, water movements and, and how it flows. Uh, environmental scientists look at some of the uh, impacts from operations and how to mitigate them. And more recently, we've employed more and more data scientists. So you may be familiar with autonomous haulage, where it's effectively those very large um, haul trucks that, that run themselves. And they generate a huge amount of data on a daily basis. So we need people to be able to, to take that data and to understand what it's saying to help us inform our future decision-making, which is a, a very important role. But beyond the technical skills that um, people bring from their different disciplines and expertise, that scientists are, are usually very great, are very good problem solvers. So they're taught to think in quite a logical and rigorous manner. And it can give them a, a complex problem. And they usually come up with quite a, a creative solution to look at all the different um, angles and, and opportunities from that. And they can be quite um, um, curious and inquisitive people by nature as well. And that's really important to start asking those questions about you know, how does this work and why does it work as it does? And in terms of, of business, that's really important for, for business improvement and that continuous improvement opportunity. So there's definitely um, some skills that are cross-functional there. And from my expertise and experience that I started out in the field um, as an environmental scientist working in operations and doing quite um, quite specific field work, then moved into a leadership position, um, then into productivity. So how to improve operations performance, then into long-term planning. But what does it look like for an operation in 50 years time and beyond up to a hundred years time? And I'm currently in a role in, in strategy, as you mentioned at the beginning. So with a particular focus on sustainability, and what does that look like for the corporation heading forward in the next 10 to 20 years' time? So certainly skills that are transferable, not only across an industry, but also across different types of industry as well. So based on what you're saying, you've got these technical skills, you've got these creative skills, and your career path definitely doesn't sound like what people normally think of as a scientist. So how did you choose this career? Why did you choose a career in mining? Yeah, it's been a, um, it's a lifelong evolution, so it seems. So I've always been quite curious as to how and why things work. So not only uh, from a, a built uh, and natural environment perspective, but to, you know, look around you and say, well, why is it like that and what's in that? And it sort of culminated when I visited, um, it was Kamalco's bauxite mine um, in Weeper on the west coast of Cape York Peninsula. I would have been about 12 years old at that stage. And I remember being handed a, a soft drink. So it was lemonade in, in an aluminium can and was asked, do you know where this comes from? And it started off a conversation around, well, how does 
what we're standing on, so standing on bauxite, how does that um, transform into aluminium, which is used for so many different purposes um, in the built environment around us? So that started off, um, I guess, a, a lifelong curiosity around how and, and why things uh, are made. So how can we actually produce materials for the built environment? So whether it's your car, the building where you live, the infrastructure that you use, and the electronics that you might have on your phone, but also how do you actually produce that while minimising the impacts to um, the natural environment, you know, which is particularly important there. Yeah, of course. And looking at that environmental cost, because there is one, but we also need these materials, how do you use environmental science to inform that mining practice? So unlike other industries such as so manufacturing, Manufacturing can move the operations closer to the city for labour, perhaps closer to water, closer to um, the energy source. That with mining, we have to work in situ, wherever the ore body may be um, located. So with that in mind, we often work in remote locations or in areas that are in sensitive environments. So we work in, in partnership with a, with a number of different people, including the local community to um, ensure that our processes and techniques um, are evolving and continuously improving um, as the knowledge improves um, on environmental science um, and mitigation techniques. And that's particularly important there as well. So the way that we actually uh, look at uh, impact mitigation and a risk assessment, it starts a long time before the operation actually does. So it informs the way that um, operations are actually designed and how infrastructure is placed and, and how we might um, utilise those assets. And it continues all the way through the life of operation and beyond closure. And look, that can be in excess of, of 50 years. So it's quite a, a long time span um, that we need to um, ensure that our processes change and um, data informs that as well. Of course. Now, looking at how mining is about extracting and gathering new types of material, what will be the role in achieving a circular economy where less materials are being wasted, less are entering the circular economy and they're being recycled as a circle, I can only say so many times. What will the role of mining be in achieving that circular economy? No, it's a very good question. And people may have heard about the concept of a circular economy or circularity. And look, some of the objectives of that are, as you mentioned before, it's about, say, designing out waste and pollution. It's about keeping materials and products at their highest use for as long as possible and also to um, regenerate natural systems as you go. So if we think about that in um, the current and future sense, that look, by 2050, the global population is projected to be nearly 10 billion people. And, and with that rapid um, demographic change and the population growth, that also brings on an increasing demand for resources, such as mineral resources as well. So when we think about global material flows, um, material recovery rates, um, and also just chemistry about how things are actually produced, that there will be a place for, for mining and metals um, in the future um, if there is this transition to a circular economy. And if we are to have a um, transition to circularity, then it needs to be an inclusive engagement of all parts of the economy uh, and mining being included in that. So what uh, the role that, that mining can actually have is 
you know, upstream partnerships and also downstream partnerships. Because as you mentioned, it's um, effectively a, a primary producer of materials. There are a lot of people downstream that we can engage in um, to improve practices there. So mining produces a, a number of materials that um, their inherent characteristics are around, say, um, recyclability and durability and conductivity. And the conductivity part is quite important for this um, low carbon um, low carbon materials for a low carbon future. So that will be um, an area that mining will certainly have a, a strong presence in in the future. Um, you mentioned before about recycling, so that it is a part of a circular economy, um, but it's not the only part as well. So that's the opportunity for where um, metals providers can actually uh, play a role in working downstream with um, with their partners about how the, the materials are actually used um, and inform those processes um, in the future. So at Rio Tinto, so this year and in years to come as well, look, we, we plan to continue to explore ways that we can contribute to the circular economy. And, and I hazard, hazard a guess and say that that's probably similar for the rest of the mining industry as well. Looking into the future then, how can you achieve net zero emissions by 2050? Mm. So look, at Rio Tinto, our ambition is to achieve um, net zero emissions from our operations by 2050. And last year, we announced um, new climate change targets for 2030 to help us on that process. So um, we committed to reducing our absolute emissions by 15% and to reduce our emissions intensity by 30% um, relative to our 2018 baseline. Now, to be able to, to help us to do that, we've committed to spend approximately $1 billion um, on emissions reduction initiatives in the first five years um, of, of those targets as well. In addition to that, we've completed a, a rigorous period, of, a rigorous process of assessing the decarbonisation pathways for all of our product groups around the world as well, which is then informing some of these decisions um, in the future. Look, if anybody is interested in those decarbonisation pathways, methodologies that we use, uh, and also physical resilience to climate change, there's um, a whole bunch of information on our website at riotinto.com forward slash sustainability. And what about all of the other areas that are involved in the industry, such as supply chains that make trucks, machinery, um, office equipment, even just office working, all of that, how does that factor into this goal that you have? That's right. So we operate in value chains with large carbon footprints and we actively we are actively engaging in partnerships um, and exploring ways to reduce the, the, the carbon footprint and improve environmental performance at, at all parts of, of the value chain. So, for example, we've partnered with Nippon Steel Corporation um, to, to look at the, the steel sector. And, and also our Alysis joint venture, which is looking at um, carbon-free smelting technology for aluminium. So there's um, th there's some work around um, technology and technological improvements that will help inform that and help us move towards the um, carbon reduction along the value chain. 80% um, of our scope three emissions comes from our customers' hard to abate processes. So hence why it's really quite important that we do work with them um, to be able to, to help them reduce emissions in that regard. And uh, you may be familiar with um, the new goals that we set in 2021 around um, scope three emissions. And that's looking at a um, 
quite a involved partnership approach. So about low carbon technologies and also how to reduce emission, emissions from shipping our products as well. I'm looking forward to seeing that goal achieved in the future and what a future will be like under those types of principles of environmental science. So thank you. You've been listening to a Cosmos Insight. And remember that you can find more about this and so much more regarding science issues at cosmosmagazine.com. Thank you.